Well, guys, I want to thank you for tuning in to the Youth and Culture Podcast, where youth ministry and culture collide. I'm your host, Ryan Sebastian, and I am joined with my co-host, David Pinkham. Ryan, I have a question for you. What is that? How long have you been serving in any capacity in youth ministry? Good night. Uh, uh, okay, I'm 36... No, 35, about to turn 36. Sorry. Hey, when you get your 30s, you forget how old you are. Um, and everything starts hurting. Yeah. Um, so since it was probably since I was 18, 19, so uh, 15 plus years. Mm. Yeah. Way more than 15. Yeah, I started when I was 20 officially and went full time when I was 26, I think, and been doing it so for 14 years for me. And it has been an interesting ride. That is true. At least ministry. Our culture has shifted a lot. Oh, yeah. Ministry is rough. Um, I do have to say that, <laughs> um, and I, I sympathize for any, any bivocational pastor, any, any, so any, anybody who's volunteering in a church to lead the youth ministry. Um, God bless you. Um, yeah. I, I did, we did that both you and me both did it really uh when we we're, we're life administrators at um the church we were serving at so we're basically in some ways like many youth pastors i get paid because we're speaking we're pouring into small group leaders a little bit make, make sure their stuff is ready make mm-hmm. sure the gains all that uh every every wednesday for programming and so we're like many youth pastors we're not getting paid but uh it it took a lot of time. I, I can't imagine anybody now, like that's before I had kids. I can't imagine yeah. anybody who has kids uh, doing what we did uh, back in our 20s. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I think we were still, we were still at the same church when I started having kids and the balance there, uh, that w- well, I'll put it this way. I'm just grateful that when we were serving our kids were also experiencing church time. So it wasn't like we were abandoning them for something else. Yeah, that, that's true. I, for, I forgot we had, oh, you had your oldest. I had my oldest around the same time. Yeah. They were, um, they were, they were babies. What is he like a couple months? He's, he's May, right? Yes. He's so May. May, June, July. So he's about two months older than Lily. Yeah. So Landon turns uh, 11 um, next May, yeah. which to me as a father and also a youth pastor, I'm like, gosh, she's going to be, my youth ministry in a couple of years. This is oh, going to be interesting. Don't get me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this last Saturday. Um, so for y'all listening, this would have been like three weeks ago, but um, we, uh, we finally got to have my three oldest daughters birthday parties. We did it a joint one and they, uh, they themed it something crazy. It was actually a lot of fun. They've invented this character. His name is Wolf, Bob, Jerry, Tinkle, <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's a puffer fish with a giant mustache who plays the ukulele and wears a cool hat. 
It's just the most random stuff. But uh, the Saturday morning, um, we had the party at like uh, like dinner time ish, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But that morning, um, my oldest daughter and one of her friends um, met at a, a place in town, and they got their ears pierced for the first time. And I was trying not to cry. <laughs> She was fine. But when she came home, she was like, what do you think, Daddy? And I was like, you look so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, being a girl dad is fun. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I have all boys. Oh, that's all right, man. You know more than me about boys. So once my boys get to your kid's age, I'll just ask you for all the advice. <laughs> they are insane right now. It is crazy. Um, but I mean, that's one of those things, just thinking through, you know, the age that my oldest is, so she's 10, she'll be 11 next year and I think she'll be in the youth group in two years. And then the year after that, the next one will be, and then the year after that, the next one will be, and then two years after that, the next one. And then just, you know, I, I figured it out. Um, the year after Lily graduates from high school, uh, the next five will be in youth group all at the same time. So you will be overrunning the uh, the youth ministry by then. So many, so much hormones. <laughs> oh gracious, it's going to be great. But um, that's one of those things where I look at this and I think, okay, um, what am I doing? I mean, sometimes I do just ask myself, like, what am I doing? I don't have a clue. But uh, specifically, what am I doing to disciple my kids? Um, am I pointing them to Jesus? Am I uh, teaching them the truth? Am I showing them, you know, what is right and what is wrong? Uh, because right now, as a dad, I am laying a foundation. And uh, once they, I mean, Lily is getting uh, in the next uh, five, four, four or five years, her, probably her belief system in life will be solidified. And uh, that's a terrifying responsibility as a father. Uh, but it also um, makes me think, you know, what's it going to be like for uh, her her youth pastor? Because it's not going to be me anymore. Um, if you guys remember the last episode, uh, Emily and I are transitioning to become full-time Word of Life missionaries. And although the Lord has blessed us and that we will not have to leave my church, we'll just be church members there and we won't have to move. <clears throat> um I won't be my kid's youth pastor, which means I'm going to have the primary responsibility of discipling my kids, but I'm also going to have a youth pastor who is going to be trying to pour into them as well. And am I setting him up for success with what I'm doing at home? Um, but then I think, okay, well, I am the youth pastor for people currently. So am I as the youth pastor helping disciple my leaders and the teens in the group to to reinforce what they're learning at home with? with their parents and uh, think of it that long enough and, you, and, and your brain just starts to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned something that uh, again, this whole entire, for those of you listening, this whole entire episode, we're going to be talking about mainly the discipleship and, and different facets with it. But uh, I do want to, I don't want to spend the entire time on this because we're going to be hitting on this in another episode. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, particularly when it comes to parents, discipling kids, um, I like to, even though I like to picture like this, um, the picture is, is that um, you're a, pa you're the pastor to your kids, even mm -hmm. though realistically you're not. Okay. But in, in the sense of you're their shepherd. Correct. Exactly. 
to where you're pouring into your kids. You're the one who's um, saying when your kids are spiritually, you're the ones who's having spiritual conversations. You're the ones who's investing and being intentional. Um, and the only thing the church is doing is coming alongside of you and helping you in that effort that you're already trying and striving to do. Mm-hmm. Not the opposite to where you're dumping your kids in a church building and, and treating it like childcare and say, you do the work. I'm going to do nothing. Your hands off. Um, that is just an unbiblical uh, way of, of handling when it comes to discipleship with your kids. And again, I don't want us to have, I don't want us to dive into that too deeply, but when you're talking about that, it kind of brought that to mind. for me. Yeah. And, but we're also not, ignorant of the reality that there will be kids in the youth group that have unsaved parents or Mm -hmm. have parents that just don't care or have parents that do care, but just don't get it and think that it's your job. And so, um, as much as we can try to, you know, help and educate and point them to scripture, there is going to be an aspect of us as the youth leaders at the church where it'll be some of our responsibility to point the students and their leaders and even their parents towards what a biblical model for church, uh, for a spiritual growth is. Uh, and that's why, that's why discipleship is so important because, uh, it's not just something that's like kitschy and trendy and, um, sounds like a great idea. And it's a super cool spiritual word. It's literally in the great commission. Um, when Jesus sends out his disciples and right before he goes back to heaven and he tells them, uh, to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, he doesn't say, you know, go make great programs, although those are helpful. Um, he doesn't doesn't say go have great games, although those can be helpful with breaking down walls for relationship building. Um, he says make disciples, and and then not just you know, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, I mean, just keep reading the the sentence. You know, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, um, and and the beginning of that, um, I think, is evangelism. Um, which is why it bothers me when people say, well, what's more important, <laughs> evangelism or discipleship? And I'm like, why would step one be more important than the rest of the process? <laughs> um, exactly. It's not one or the other. It's just step one is evangelism. You, you, get them, you get them saved. And when I say you get them saved, I don't mean you. I mean, you appoint them to Jesus and then the Holy Spirit saves them. <laughs> um, but but that's, that's step one of discipleship. Uh, it's kind of one of those things where you know, if someone's like, well, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, step one, uh, get saved. That's, that's <laughs> step one. Uh, yeah. He's not going to tell you anything else until you get that one down. Um, because there's no point in telling you anything else. Why would you listen to him if you're not his? So uh, I think that's why evangelism is so important with step one. But But when it comes to spiritual growth, I mean, there's a myriad of things that we can do. There's a myriad of spiritual disciplines we can engage in. And for some people, it looks different. Uh, for a child, it's going to look different. For a teenager, it's going to look different. For a parent, it's going to look different. And for us as youth pastors and youth leaders and small group leaders and uh, adults that are just trying to pour into students' lives, our lives and our our own spiritual growth is going to look different um, because there's a different type of intentionality behind what we're doing. Uh, and that's why for those of you who may be like me and just your natural bent is to overthink everything, <laughs> which I do. And it, it's painful sometimes. Um, I have been uh, blessed with a discipleship relationship where 
Um, since I'm talking to church people, I can use Christianese here. Um, I've been Timothy the whole time, and uh, he has uh, he's really been helping me uh, just uh, not overcomplicate things and don't overthink it. And I want to share uh, just some of the principles that I've learned that have helped keep it getting uh, keep it from getting complicated, keep it from getting overwhelming, uh, keep it from getting too hard, and that's helped keep me from quitting on some of the things that I've been doing. Um, with, uh, with what we do with our teens, we encourage them in different areas of spiritual growth. Uh, and overall there's eight categories that we use with our students that can still seem overwhelming. So when I talk to other youth pastors, like I was just talking to a buddy of mine, who's a youth pastor about an hour away, uh, the other day, and he was asking me, you know, I've got a parent, uh, a leader meeting tonight and, you know, I want to encourage them. We're starting up soon, but I don't want to overwhelm them. And I said, well, take the eight things and just pick the, the top three, <laughs> you know, uh, or, or pick, pick three that are easy to understand from a conceptual standpoint, uh, pick three that are easy to discuss, um, that are, uh, are, are simple on a level that's not like, uh, it doesn't require a ton of brain power at the beginning. Um, and so the, the three that I, that I encourage is, uh, the first one's, uh, quiet time and journaling. Uh, those two go together because I'm going to be honest if, uh, and I, I struggle with this myself, so I'm not calling you out. If, if you think this is me calling you out, that's not me. That's the Holy spirit. Um, just reading the Bible and then putting it down and going on your merry way is not quiet time. <laughs> um, when, if you, uh, if you spend time in the word and you don't process it, uh, I think that's what James was talking about when he said, you're like a man who looks in the mirror and then immediately forgets what he looks like when he walks away. Uh, we're not just supposed to be hearers or in this case, readers. Uh, we're also supposed to be doers. And so the part where you jot things down uh, is important because that's your ability to process stuff. And look, I love my phone. Well, I don't love it. I like my phone. Uh, it's a helpful tool. I use a quiet time app on there from word of life, but I don't input my journal in the phone, which I can do. Um, I just, I have to slow myself down and that's just a me thing. I have to slow myself down. So I use paper and pencil and it, it, it forces me to hit the brakes on my brain and process through some things. I'll read a passage, um, for, for me personally, it's, you know, I, I do a little uh, summary of the high points I pick a key verse and then my application point is a prayer back to the Lord of this is what I think I need to do. Can you help me please (laughs) do it? Um, And that's, I think that's a simple way to do it. It's not prescriptive for everybody. If you want to do it a different way, that's fine. There's a young man that I disciple right now and he's got a structure that he's figured out that works for him. Um, But the structure includes reading it and then processing it. And I think that's the two big parts of that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I'm glad you said processing because you you can you can process without journaling. Uh, there are some people who are who are wired that way. Um, I am not wired that way. Did um, so because partly because I'm ADD. Uh, I have yet ADD. to be diagnosed. Yeah, I haven't been diagnosed. <laughs> I'm pretty darn sure I'm ADD. Okay, but um, so it it helps me to focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm writing, it helps me focus. Again, calming my brain down uh, helps me to focus on what mm-hmm. I'm writing. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I do what's called, I don't do, of course, I don't do Word of Life. I do yeah. something different. Um, I do what's called Here Journal, uh, which just stands for Highlight, Explain, Application, Respond. And it's a mm-hmm. process of writing down the passage that sticks out to you, um, explaining what's going on around that passage, context, what mm-hmm. is the author trying to say, application, how, how, does this, how does this apply for us as believers? And respond is how should I personally respond to what I'm reading? How yep. should it impact my life and flow out of how I'm living my life? Um, so it's, it's, a, it's just a flow of, the same idea as it's a flow of really meditating on God's Word. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we're, as believers, it, it's, again, it doesn't end just reading. Reading is, is not necessarily processing or meditating on God's Word. If you're just, it just, it just depends on your motives. I'm going to be honest with you. It just, and I can't, I'm not God. I'm not going to know people's motives, but I just do know from talking to youth pastors over the last few years, and I, of course, uh, David, you know, this has been doing soul care for the last few years mm-hmm. uh, with, uh, with uh, youth ministry booster and, and counseling uh, youth pastors all over the country through that, not even outside of that. Uh, but one thing I found is that um, I don't, I, don't, I guess it's maybe because in seminaries we're taught how, <laughs> how to study, how to read Greek or whatnot, how to speak. But I think we've lost the uh, the ability of, of training pastors to love God um, and what it means to be a follower of Christ. I think we've lost that element in some seminaries when it mm. comes to training pastors. And this is the reason why I say that is because a lot of pastors, not all, but a lot of pastors I've a counsel with, um, there's a, a common question I always ask is, is how's your time with God? Mm-hmm. And literally nine out of 10 times when I ask that question, um, it's pretty much non-existent. Mm. In other words, they're, they're not spending time in God's word. They're not praying. They're not, um, just have no concept of spiritual disciplines in their life, uh, of their faith when it comes to growing closer to God and, and their faith growing um, as a believer in Christ, as a disciple. Uh, they're losing that element of, this, uh, of what we talked about before we recorded is discipling themselves. Yeah. Um, and so, and I th- anyway, so, so when you're, when we're talking about just reading, I, I do have a degree that a lot of people have this concept of, yes, if I just read something, I check the mark off. Yeah. And again, and again you can do that even with a here journal, even with what I'm, what I'm doing, you can have that mentality. Mm-hmm. Even what you're doing, Dave, you can have the mentality of checking off a box. It, it all depends on your motives. Um, and I do feel like that a lot of people fall in this trap of just making another thing that they do rather than really. Uh, really come to God and say, God, change my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, change my heart. What I'm reading today, I don't know what's going on, but work in my life. I need you. I can't do this without you. Like coming in with a humble spirit each time you spend time with God, um, that kind of aspect in a lot of people's lives, and, and, and again, I'm picking on youth pastors because I talk to youth pastors more, Yeah, um, is missing. Uh, and rather, I think it has, I don't necessarily think it's intentional. I just think that we get so wrapped up in doing stuff. Yep. Doing um, good ministry. Yeah. Doing <laughs> stuff that we don't, we lose either 
either we've lost what we once knew or we never understood it to begin with, uh, what it means to develop your own faith. Well, so maybe it's worth considering asking yourself this question, and I can ask you and I this too. When's the last time we sat down for our quiet time, devotions, whatever you want to call it, and our mentality was either, Lord, just show me your word, show me what you want me to hear, speak into my heart, lead me, guide me, or was it, all right, I got to do this, got to get this done. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. Okay, I, I am confessing here. I have done that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I struggle with because um, I'm a go-getter. Yeah. And I like to get things done. And I've had to be disciplined in my own life. I'm not perfect by any means, but I try to be disciplined in my own life, understanding that I'm self-aware. I understand that's a weakness of mine that mm-hmm. I have to get away by myself away from my family. Yep. Because again, I'm ADD. <laughs> so um, get away from my family, get alone. I love my family, but if I want to be really spending time with, with God and not be distracted, it's getting alone by myself. Um, and it starts with a posture of worship. And I was thinking we, underst- we don't treat our time with God, uh, quiet time, devotion, whatever you want to coin it, as a posture of worship. But that's what it is. Yeah. And, that's, and that's what uh, we should be. We should be in a posture of worshiping God as we're spending time with Him. And that is a level of humility um, that we have to develop in our life. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't want you to feel alone. So I guess I, I'll i confess something too. <laughs> um, so when I do my quiet time, since I use the online one uh, to find my passage for the day, uh, if I use my paper journal, then in the two journal entry sections, uh, because it asks you two questions every day, um, I just write paper journal, paper journal, and then I save it so that it marks that I did it. And then if I ever pull it back up in the future and I tap on that day and I go to journal, it says paper journal, paper journal. I'll go, oh, okay. So I pull my paper journal out and I'll look through it. But some of those days, it says read only, read only, because <laughs> that's all I did that day. And it's a little a little convicting because five minutes ago, I said, that's not how you do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, I, I do want to, we don't want to be legalistic in what we're yeah. saying, but there are, there are times where uh, life happens and you don't have as much time. And, and that's okay. It, it, again, it goes back to your motives and your posture mm-hmm. of, wor- of, of worship and how you approach spending time with God. That's what your heart, in other words, it goes back to your heart. That's what yeah. really matters. Why are you doing it? it, it exactly. So there, there are going to be ups and downs. And there's going to be like, a re- for instance, this mo- whole moving situation with me, my life has been so chaotic. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't been able to journal. Um, I have even discipling a guy right now who we're both, we both do the hero journal and we go through it together. Um, and I, and we're, and I had to look at him and said last few weeks, I'm like, sorry, man, I know I've read and so I'm going to tell you what I've read and, and how God spoke to me. Mm-hmm. When I, um, but I haven't been able to, to journal. Um, yeah. so well, you're going to have, you're going to have times in your life like that. So that's yeah. Great. Um, but that also brings out one other thing. And I think I want to, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I do want to harp on it because you talked about your posture and your motivation. Um, and, and I'm going to say something that's controversial. So, um, you know, strap on your seatbelt, hold on to your butt. What do you got to do? But, um, 
almost without exception, studying for preaching or lesson prep does not count as quiet time. And the reason I, the only reason I am saying, and I'm, this is going to sound super legalistic, so I'm sorry, but I, I would say the only exception to that is if your quiet time and your time with the Lord, that's for you and your spiritual growth for you and the Lord is so good. You're like, I, I got to put this in my next lesson or like this goes perfectly with what I've been getting ready to preach. I've got to share this with people because the Lord was like, you know, in the middle of it. But it's because, and the reason I say it that way, it's because your time with the Lord has led you to sharing it with somebody else. Um, it's not that you have spent time in the word for the express purpose of teaching or preaching. And now you're just going to also check a quiet time box off. Um, Cause that time is for you. It's not for someone else. Cause when you're studying for preaching and you're studying for lesson prep, depending on what you do, if you teach, preach, whatever um, you are going into that with a posture and it's, it's a right posture, but that posture is I am preparing this and studying this for the benefit of someone else. And yes, you will get residual benefit as well, but this is for the benefit, the edification, the building up, the equipping for the saints and the work of the ministry. So it's not for me, although I will benefit from it. And so if you're doing it for the sake of somebody else, I think one of the best things you can do in preparing some scripture teaching for someone else is to have already spent time for yourself in the word of God. Kind of like when you're on an airplane and the oxygen masks drop down, you put your mask on first and then help your kid put on theirs. And I didn't understand that when I was a kid because I was like, well, that's kind of selfish. And then someone explained it to me. Well, do you want your dad to pass out halfway through putting the mask on your face? And then you try to figure out as a kid how to do it yourself <laughs> or get make sure dad's got his secured and he's still functioning and then he can help you with yours. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, it's it's really hard to. It's really hard to pour from an empty bucket, I guess. <laughs> uh, and so that's, I want to encourage you, hopefully uh, you don't feel called out, but I want to encourage you. If your quiet time has been just what you've been doing in lesson prep or sermon prep, um, don't do that. Uh, and we're not going to harp on when during the day. However, uh, I would encourage it in the morning because then you'll have something that you've started your day off with that you can mentally chew on for the rest of the day or meditate um, nothing wrong with doing it at night. You know, David did it night, morning, noon, night, in the middle of the night, whenever he felt like it. But I think it's healthy to do it in the morning just because you start your day off in the truth because you know the world's going to lie to you for the rest of the day. And it gives you something that's true for you to mull over for the rest of the day, especially if you're not someone who processes using a journal and you do process things mentally. Because uh, if you're anything like me, anything I read before bedtime, out the window. As soon as I fall asleep. Um, so that leads me to the second thing. Um, as as you try to start with yourself and your spiritual growth, um, after you do quiet time journaling is a little bit deeper and it's scripture memory. Um, and the reason I think that one is important is one, because, you know, um, one of the most popular memory verses out there is the one about memorizing scripture in Psalm 119. <clears throat> excuse me. Where the psalmist tells God he's hiding his word in his heart so he may not sin against him. Um I look at it this way. Um, quiet time is getting at your sword and practicing with it, and scripture memory is sharpening it. Uh, it's really easy to cut through stuff with a sharp sword, and it's very hard with a dull sword. And if the sword is dull, technically speaking, um, since I do woodworking on the side, I, I've learned this the hard way. 
a dull knife is actually more dangerous than a sharp knife. Um, you can actually get hurt worse. Now, obviously, this, the Bible is not a literal sword, um, but I have seen people who do not know Scripture well and have not taken the time to wallow in it. That's not a good way of putting this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wallow, soak in it, uh, that misuse Scripture because they don't understand it. Um, Ryan, do you know what the first three rules of real estate are? Oh, man. <laughs> I've been told this before, but I do not remember. <laughs> this is like the dad joke of real estate. The first three rules of real estate are location, location, location. It's very similar to the first three rules of scripture and understanding what the word of God says. Context, context, context. <laughs> That is correct. <laughs> you want to understand what the word of God says, you need to know context. You want to have a good quiet time, read more than one verse. You want to have good scripture memory, don't just memorize the words. Read the stuff around it. Understand what it actually means when you're memorizing it. So that when you go into it, if you're trying to recite it out loud, it comes off more as you saying something and not just beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> Yeah, I, when you were talking about uh, this, is probably the most underutilized uh, part uh, of spiritual disciplines is memorizing God's word. You can call it meditating, you can call it different things. Because um, for me personally, I know there's some of the people out there who are in the same boat. I am terrible at memorizing stuff, I'm not, not very good at it. Uh, but as I do mm -hmm. know this, is that as you strive, you may not be perfect, but as you strive to memorize, yeah, And at least what actually happens, at least it happens for me personally, is that I may not remember word for word a passage, but I can tell you where it's at. I can open up God's word and show you where it's at, and I can read it to you. Um, so it, it, that try, striving to memorize scripture is actually about to develop that in me to where I know where it's at. Like, for instance, Matthew, Matthew 28, Great Commission. I don't remember word for word. But I know where it's at, so I'm helping open it up. Or <laughs> James, or talking about um, the whole book of James, where it talks about what basically the theme of it is genuine faith, and the parts that talk about um, um, basically the section about what uh, faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so I may not remember the word for word, but I can go right right in the passages. So uh, my dad's the same way. My dad, when he was uh, younger. He was very gifted at memorizing anything. Uh, there's a book called The Memory Book, which is actually a strategy of how to memorize and how to learn. So my dad utilized that in college. That's the reason why he had a 4.0 wow. college career. Um, but he utilized, utilized that for also memorizing God's Word. Um, and as he's gotten older, that has kind of been hard for him to do. So he's not good at mem yeah. memorizing Scripture, but... Uh, like he memorized the whole book of John and can quote it word for word, the whole book of John. Okay. Holy cow. Okay. So that was, that was when he was younger, like in his twenties. Wow. Uh, but he can't do that anymore, but it's gotten, but since he spent so much time striving to memorize God's word. Now, when you tell him something, he can just, he pulls up God's word and starts reading it to you. He might yeah. not remember where, but he knows where it's at. What All was the title of that book again? The memory book. Do you remember the author? I do not remember. It's an old book. I'll, old okay. book. All right. Because the one of the ones I was going to just uh, mention uh, just as a way of resource 
Um, there's a book out there called a, oh gracious, I just lost the title. I didn't memorize it. Ha! Uh, an, ex, an Approach to Extended Memorization of Scripture, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. It's by Andrew Davis. And uh, I want to see it's Andrew Davis. Um, and his his whole thing is about how to memorize lengthy portions of scripture. And um, that one, I think if you look online enough, I think you can find a free PDF download of it, but it is for sale on Amazon. Um, And while we're recording, I'm actually looking up the book you mentioned (laughs) so that we can share it with our audience. Um, Is it called the memory book, the classic guide to improving your memory at work at school at play? Yes. Sweet. All right. It's by Harry Lorraine, L-O-R-A-Y-N-E, and Jerry Lucas. So if you want to check that out, look it up. Obviously, they're not a sponsor. Never heard of them before until now, for me at least. Um, but if you if you need help memorizing stuff, um, you know, use whatever tools are out there to help with memorization. I use the little scripture pack, you know, that the, the Word of Life has and the navigators use. Um, I know that a buddy of mine uses a scripture memory app and there are multiple scripture memory apps out there uh, that are very helpful. Um, One of the things I teach my teenagers in the youth group is if you have a hard time memorizing scripture, try taking a step back by just remembering scripture. And they're like, what's the difference? (laughs) Well, the difference is I cannot quote to you word for word. First Samuel 15 through 17, I think the Goliath, I think it's 17, um, David and Goliath. All right. I, but I remember it. I can tell you what happens. I remember the high points. I know the point. I know that you're not David. Uh, <laughs> um, so a Goliath is not your sin. Um, <clears throat> uh, you're the sniveling little Israelites on the hillside. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not going to get into that. But um, me- remembering the gist of a passage, or um, like you said, Ryan, remembering where to find it. Um, that's actually, in my mind, an excellent argument for finding a Bible that you like, a format that you like, and then using the same Bible always. Because the more you use the same book over and over and over again, the more you will remember stuff. And it's not just the exact wording of the passage, but you'll remember uh, whether it's on the left page or the right page, you'll remember if it's on the left column or the right column at the top or near the bottom, you'll remember how close it is to one of the red words in the Bible. You know, you'll start picking up on those little mental cues and then your brain will be able to help you navigate scripture more quickly. Uh, not for the sake of like, Oh, look how fast I can find this obscure passage in Hezekiah, which is not in there. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, it just helps you navigate easier so that you can have those conversations with people. So you can have gospel conversations with people and share the word and share, uh, the, the hope that you have in Christ, that you can encourage fellow believers in their walk. If they're struggling, um, that you can be an inspiration to those who struggle with memorization as well. Cause I struggle. I've told people for years, if the Bible was funnier, I would have the whole thing memorized. Because I can, I can remember a joke almost instantly, but I, scripture is hard. And I don't know, uh, I, one of the best things I did uh, for my own brain was I've, I use a translation now that just flows better than what I used to use. Um, I still, my, my favorite translation technically is the New American Standard Bible because it's the most accurate word for word we have on the market. But it's clunky because it's academic. It's a clunky translation. So yeah, the words are right, but it it sounds weird sometimes because of the word for word accuracy. So 
personally, I now memorize out of the ESV because the the simplest way I've learned how to put it is take the accuracy of the New American Standard to make it easier to read. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and, that, and so if it's easier to read, easier to read in my mind isn't just the size of the words. It's also the flow of the sentences. And if it's easier to read that way, then it's going to be easier to memorize, which I think is why a lot of churches when I was growing up used the NIV um, back in uh, – when did they update it? They updated it in 2011. So I grew up on the 1984. That one was easy to memorize because it flowed so well. Uh, it, was a, it was a lower reading level. I think it was um, – what eighth ninth grade reading level and uh that was just an easier flow to memorize that's why i think some people um even as they've grown that they they grew up using the king james it's easier for them to memorize that because the king james is a little bit more poetic um that, that is actually my for memorization my favorite uh version to memorize because for that reason because more poetic it, it, yeah, it's yeah. easy for me, me to memorize because for that fact that it's more written, more poetic. So, so Ryan, what's the best translation to use? Man, you're going to throw that, you're going to dump that on me. Oh, um, no, I, I'll tell you, I won't throw you under the bus. I'll tell you this, with a few exceptions, because there are some terrible ones out there, it's the one you'll actually read. Correct. I, I would agree with that. Now, now of course, there are, there are horrible translations out there. Yes, the message is not a translation. Sorry, guys. The guy who did it said that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there are some bad ones out there. Um, like New World? New World's one. Isn't that the uh, Jehovah's Witness version? I I believe so. Yeah. Don't quote me on it, but I believe so. If uh, a the, cult translated it, don't <laughs> use that one. <laughs> and the other one, oh, there's quite a few. There's some that are better than others. Okay, okay let me just put this. In, I'm going to just state this. Okay. I know we're going on a rabbit trail a little You're bit. Our, our, our ADD is kicking in. <laughs> um, but uh, when it comes to translation, do, do your research. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to translations, there's understand what a word for word is or mm-hmm. thought for thought. Uh, there's good word for words. Uh, there's, there's good thought for thoughts. There's bad word for words. And don't do it well. And there's bad thought for thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're talking to ministers here, so Correct. use more than one when you're studying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So in other words, do your research and understand, understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all that being said, there are some that are better than others, in my opinion. Again, that's my opinion. Um, it's not it's you not mean law. It's your opinionist? No, opinionist. <laughs> not law. Um, I'm a, I'm a, okay, when it comes to deep study, NASB is good because it's mm-hmm. word for word. Uh, it does a good job on that aspect. Um, I'm an ESV guy. I, I do a lot of my studying. Extremely spiritual uh, version. <laughs> <laughs> for ESV. Uh, growing up, I was a New uh, New King James, mm-hmm. uh, which I still like to this day. I still like New King James. Uh, still one of my good translations. It, for, for accuracy, it's still pretty good for accuracy uh, uh, for the original text. Um, the one th- version that uh, I'm going I'm to get in trouble, though, so it'll be okay. So if you list, if you if you use this version, I'm sorry, I don't like it. Um, the Holman Christian Bible. <laughs> um, if you use that translation, I'm sorry, it's not the best. There's so many inaccuracies in there when the way they word, especially in the Greek, that it drives me insane sometimes when I read that translation. So it's not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> uh, Oh yeah, the other yeah, I know which one you're thinking. I'm thinking. I'm not. I'm not gonna throw that one on the bus just yet. Don't want to get passionate spot. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. There, anyway, 
So there's are some of the better than others, but I would do want to preface this is that we, we are very blessed to have multiple translations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so be very thankful that we do because we're in the, one of the few countries in the world that have the amount of translations we have. So I think it's phenomenal. It's awesome. Uh, God has used his country to produce so many good translations of God's word. We're blessed in that way because most a lot of countries only have one translation. And and that's one of the that's one of the things that when it comes to just something like that for us as people who are trying to teach and preach and and point other people to Jesus in the church, um, it, I think it would be on our shoulders to do the research and and do what we can to help educate our people. Um, but I think it's also a worthwhile conversation for the leadership to get together and unify what's used. Um, I got together with our children's director a few years ago, and I said, "Hey, um, <clears throat> I don't know what you guys use." for the children for memorization, but the students use ESV and because I'm the youth pastor and, (laughs) um, but why don't you and I get together and let's discuss unifying so that we use the same one. And, and she was very receptive to that and she was already a big fan of the ESV. So it really was not a very long conversation. Um, but the, the goal of that was, and we, we decided ESV. And so we went to our senior pastor and we said, Hey, is this cool? you know, stamp of approval. And he said, yes, absolutely. He loves that one. Um, <clears throat> he preaches out of the new King James. Uh, and, uh, his reason for that is, uh, very valid. And I think a little bit funny, um, but it's a very valid reason. And, uh, but he also likes the ESV as well and put pairing those two together is helpful. But the reason we unified it was because, uh, we use scripture memory as one of the things that we do with the children and with the youth. So what we wanted to avoid was children memorizing scripture in children's ministry and then getting to the youth and having to learn a whole new translation and, and rewire their brain. Cause I memorized stuff when I was a kid in NIV and I've had to adjust things. And when I try to um, pull out, you know, from the depths of my memory, things that I learned when I was a kid that I've relearned as an adult, I still revert back to the stuff I learned when I was a kid. So um, trying to unify that for our, for our church, I think is helpful. Um, so we'll leave it there. Uh, the third thing after quiet time journaling, scripture memory, uh, the third thing is uh, it's not something that we have like a metric for in our youth ministry. Um, it's just something that Ryan and I um, have talked about in the past on the podcast, but it's something I think both of us agree. Don't It doesn't get talked about nearly as often as it should be talked about, and it doesn't get done nearly as often as it should get done in a church, and that is prayer. Um. I've asked people this multiple times in the past. If you took out breakfast, lunch, dinner, and bedtime from your prayer life, how's your prayer life? Because <laughs> thank you, God, for this food. Bless to our bodies. Hedge of protection. Turn it into you know vegetables on the way down. You know that doesn't count. Um, that's just you being thankful for something that's immediately in front of your face. Uh, and then the one at bedtime is, oh shoot, we forgot to pray all day today. Let's do one real quick. So uh, if you take those four out, how's your prayer life? And and it's not just um, that we should be praying because that is a very vague instruction. You should pray. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the help. Um, find something that works for you. Uh, I have uh, a little journal that I write prayer requests down in from the guys that I meet with for discipleship. Uh, it's It's not complicated. It's not super... Fan, it's got a Batman symbol on the front of it because I found it on clearance at a Gabe's in the local store. So, I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter. Just write stuff down because your brain can't remember that much. Um, but make your prayer life a little bit deeper than just asking God for stuff and saying thank you for stuff. Um, 
I like, uh, this is just personal to me, so use whatever you want, but I like the Acts model. Uh, you start with adoration, then confession, then thanksgiving, then supplication. And what that allows you to do is it, it chunks up your prayer time into little segments that allows you to focus on one thing at a time, which if you have ADD is nice because um, you're basically informing your brain, you're going to focus on this right now. <laughs> Um, and then, um, it also, I think, uh, I think someone, whoever uh, came up with that model, didn't they model it off of like what we call the Lord's prayer? Um, cause it kind of goes through that as well. Um, and again, this is not like a legalism thing. So don't just get on your knees and recite the prayer in Matthew and then move on with your day. That's not what we mean. Spend some time adoring God for who he is recognizing, not just for what he does, but who he is. Um, confession of sin. Uh, that's not an option that's commanded in scripture. <laughs> um, so do it. Uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving. Um, I think there's a reason that Thanksgiving is put before supplication, asking God for stuff. When you come to anybody, whether it's God or your dad or your wife, or your husband, or you want somebody to do anything for you. If you come with a thankful heart, with a grateful attitude, with a positive outlook on your relationship with with this person, on them, um, not just what they've done for you or what they can do for you, but of who they are. Um, it's your your posture again. This kind of goes back to the posture thing, like with quiet time. And you mentioned prayer earlier. You come with the correct posture, with an attitude of gratefulness and thanksgiving it's going to go better i i think uh even if you get a no because god says no sometimes all right you'll have a better attitude and a better outlook on things and so when you get to the end and you actually get to the part where most people just park which is asking god you're gonna have a better mentality and you're gonna have that mentality from from philippians 4 Oh, this is one of my memory verses, Ryan. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> Philippians 4, 6 through 7. <sighs> and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, making a request known to God. That one. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. I probably just butchered that, but I haven't reviewed it in a while, so it's my fault. I should do better on number two. Um, but we make a request with thanksgiving. And so I I would encourage you, if if you're trying to point your students to Jesus, if you're trying to get them to engage in spiritual disciplines, um, you, you need to not just be in the word and memorizing it, but you need to be in prayer because quiet time and, and reading God's word, that's him speaking to you. And prayer is you speaking to him. And we can't expect our students to do stuff that we're not doing. And, and I'm guilty of this. I, I need to work on it. You should probably also be praying for your students and your leaders. Yeah, you, you, what you need basically what you're hinting at here is you need to model uh, what you're preaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your feet need to match your mouth. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and and it doesn't again, it doesn't have to be complicated. But I can tell you this, and and this is one of those things that kind of transformed my mind, my mentality towards prayer as a teenager. Our youth pastor went through a series on, I, I honestly don't remember anything he talked about during this part, but he encouraged us one night. He said, when you go home uh, this week, at least a couple times, 
spend 30 minutes in prayer. And I was like, what? I can't do that. And he was like, look, most of you probably just thought you can't do that. And I was like, oh, he's a mind reader now. Um, but he said, spend time in prayer. 30 minutes. It's going to be hard, but you can do it. So I said, okay. So I laid down one night and I looked at the clock and I said, okay, start praying. So I started praying and I kind of wrapped it up and I looked, it was like five minutes later. And I was like, oh great. I got 25 more minutes to go. And I was like, all right, he's not, you know, he's, he, he talked about not getting legalistic about it, but he said, shoot for 30. So I said, okay. So I just started thinking of things to talk to God about and asking him and thanking him. And I kind of went through this whole laundry list of stuff and, and I, I got into it. Like I got into this rhythm and I was thinking of things and saying, thank you, Lord. And you're the best. And I'm, please, you know, move in this and wisdom. And blah. I looked up, it was like 45 minutes later and I was like, Oh, it's possible. <laughs> um, it, it might take some time to get into it, but we as ministers need to be pray, p- praying people. Yeah. Uh, and we talk about prayer and, you, and David, you know, my heart on this. And, and, mm-hmm. and again, if you've been, li- if y'all who are listening, have been, been into the podcast for a good while, you probably have hit on some of our episodes when we talk about prayer. Um, cause it's not particularly in youth, youth ministry circles. It's not talked about enough. Uh, it's not focused on in fact, in fact, I have never been to a, a youth ministry conference where there has been anything really focused on prayer. Uh, all I leadership have. stuff. Yeah, all leadership, programming, hacks, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I'm not saying it's not out word. there. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not out there, but I have never never seen it or experienced it. And um, man, it it is so needed because understanding that again, you need prayer. You need prayer for you need to have a a vibrant prayer life for yourself, but also having a a vibrant prayer life comes again a posture of worship. And a posture of humility, posture of, I can't do this without you. With I cannot live this uh, Christian walk without without you. I cannot be a pastor ministering to students without you. I can't do this. When in the minute when you remove prayer out of your life, which prayer is a dependence on God, when you remove that out of your life. You be you. The natural byproduct of that over time is a life of pride, a life of arrogance. Mm-hmm. Even even though you may not see it, that's what it develops into. Because mm-hmm. the minute when you think you can do it without God, it's a minute you become prideful. Mm-hmm. It's a posture of pride rather than a posture of worship mm-hmm. and humility. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> some of you may be listening to this, going, "Wait a second! I thought you were going to talk about discipleship." We did. You have to learn how to be a good follower before you can be a good leader. Um, you get these things operating in your life. And like I've said multiple times, this is not complicated. Do these three, and there's others, but do these three. And then once you get a rhythm, teach and share with someone else. Sit down with them. Share a quiet time. Share your scripture memory with them. Give them a card with it written out and have them quiz you on it. It's not that hard. I mean, it's hard if you're not doing it, but um, pray with and for them. Um, that That's it. There, there's a reason we spent most of the time on you getting it right. 
before you try to convey it to somebody else because this is this is all it is it's not super fancy it's not um i'm gonna get in trouble for this it's not bougie okay uh it's not complicated start with these three if you're struggling if you're looking at your new ministry year going i have no idea how i'm gonna be successful this year don't try to be successful just be faithful um god is the one who causes the growth he causes the growth in you spiritually he causes the growth in your ministry whether it's spiritually or numerically but all you have to do is plant and water and for yourself that's planting in the seed and, the, and watering it in your own life and that is just start with these three and then once you get a good rhythm share that with somebody else and encourage them to do the same thing and and get that good rhythm and help them get that good rhythm but you've got to get it down for yourself before you can tell someone else to do it um and 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 that's that's really all it is so as you guys are looking at your year uh whether it's already started for a, a couple weeks or a month or you're starting next week or whatever you're doing um if you want to make disciples then be a disciple absolutely that's it man so hopefully that was encouraging <laughs> uh i hope uh, and if you guys uh, hung on till now, uh, thank you for it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening um, to all the other episodes as well. And if you haven't yet, please take a moment to uh, leave a star, a star review or a comment uh, so that we can know how we're doing. Um, but it also helps keep us near the top of the search results, like I've said before. Um, we want to we wanna be there for you. Uh, and for those who are looking for new help, uh, we want to be there for them as well. And that'll help get, keep us near the top of the search results. Um, if there's something you want to hear us cover on the podcast that we haven't hit yet, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Youth and Culture Facebook page. We also have a group on Facebook. If you'd like to join that and just talk youth ministry, ask us a question, uh, give us an idea, share some feedback, encourage the others that are in that group. Um, we'd love to, to, to see you there. We're also on Instagram uh, and we'd love to interact with you guys there as well. Well, guys, stay tuned for our next episode.